Um, so why don't you grab your Bible and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. It's where we left off last week. Isaiah 54. Now, <clears throat> this is an interesting time. You know, I remember as a kid going through things where you'd think, man, what could be worse? <laughs> I remember that day I went to that particular camp. It was my, it was my um, fourth grade year. I believe I was nine years old-ish. And I remember being dropped off with my little suitcase and my little sleeping bag. And uh, I was a little, you know, I was just a little kid going to camp, didn't know anybody, was a little nervous. And um, as soon as I got to the place where they were loading the, the stuff, you know, the, all the kids were standing around, the camp counselors, and I didn't know anybody. And then I remember, you know, my suitcase, I sat it down and everything just burst wide open. And there was my underwear and everything laying out and all the kids laughing. That was the beginning of my camp experience that year. And, you know, I got poison oak and did all kinds of stuff that, you know, you ended up just kind of not having a great time at camp. But I remember there was a uh, missionary speaker that came and gave a life-changing message that I remember to this day. I remember rededicating my life to the Lord during that camp that was not so fun for me. Uh, by the way, that was the same camp when I got home, um, nobody was there to pick me up. I was there by myself at the church and the, everybody was closing up, all the parents had picked up their kids and gone. And finally, someone let me in the church office and I called my mother, uh, mom, what's going on? And she said, the cars broke down and um, you know, you're just gonna have to, you know, you're just gonna have to walk home. It's not that long of a drive, <laughs> a walk. Uh, it was a hundred degrees and it was a hot summer day and I was carrying my stupid suitcase and my sleeping bag. But I walked down the street, uh, Highway 238 in Southern Oregon um, and uh, almost made it home when a guy drove by on a little pickup. Remember those little tiny Datsun pickups? There was a passenger hanging out the window like this and he had something in his hand. And as I was walking with my suitcase and my sleeping bag, he threw something at me. And man, I didn't know at first what it was, but it hit my shoulder and I, it took, just took me off my feet and I landed flat on my back. And you could hear him hooping and hollering and everything as they sped by. And there I was laying in, well, it was all this sticky mess whatever it was, and I looked, no kidding, it was, a, it was a rotten peach that he had thrown at me. And the peach pit was embedded in my shoulder, literally had to pop that out of my shoulder, and I was bleeding, and this peach goo was everywhere. And I was walking, and you know, it was just so frustrating. I just remember that being like, and you think, you know, one of those, tight, what could be worse? Well, then I had to walk up our steep driveway, which is up a mountain carrying the, dripping with peach juice, and with my sleeping bag and my, and, and just as I got close to the house, my dad drove up the driveway and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, uh, I didn't really have time to explain. He said, well, you should have asked me, I could have given you a ride. And then he just kept driving up the drive, driveway. And I remember thinking, oh, this is horrible. But it's funny because now as I look back years and years ago at that little day that I thought was the worst day of my life, um, you know, it's amazing how I realized that was one of the greatest days of my life. It was an adventure. It was difficult, but I also rededicated my life to the Lord that summer. And that's when I started having a real resolve to serve Jesus at nine years old. And by the age of 12, I'd already committed to teaching the Bible and, and working with kids ministry. And man, the Lord just blessed. Out of, out of trials, out of difficulties, oftentimes those are the very things that bring about some of the greatest things in our lives. And, and really we have a scripture of the Lord speaking to the children of Israel about what to do when you're in trouble, in trying difficult times, and how appropriate it is 
for you and me as we today, man, a lot of you are saying, man, 2020, what could be worse? Stop asking that. It could get worse. Uh, but it is amazing, you know, the stuff we're seeing with the coronavirus and the lockdowns and the economy. And then here in Oregon, uh, you know, the fires and, and California and Washington, just, you know, it looks like the apocalypse on the West Coast. And people down in Louisiana, you know, we, a lot of us on the West Coast have forgotten you guys down there because you're always going through stuff with hurricanes. And right now, people are still having to boil their water just to be able to drink in Louisiana from that hurricane several days back. I mean, there's cataclysmic events happening around the world and people are hurting and man, you just think, what could be worse? But, but I, I read an article yesterday from some guy, you know, um, that was talking about how people are just spiritually exhausted. And this author of this article talked about how he was spiritually exhausted. But the more I re read his article, the more I realized he didn't know anything about spirituality. He, he had no relationship with Christ. He had no uh, repentance of sin. He, he had nothing. And yet he was claiming to be spiritually exhausted. It's the people that sort of have a pseudo-religion or a fake religion that find themselves cast down and in despair with no hope. But it's the believers in God, those who walk with Christ, those who have repented of their sins and have accepted Christ as their savior, we're the ones who can make it through these times. We're the ones that can hear that message that was given to Joshua in Joshua chapter one, be thou strong and of good courage. We can be those people because we have a true and living God on our side. And here in his word, he gives us some very simple things that we're, you and I, we are supposed to do during troubled times. In chapter 53, we saw that most powerful um, last Sunday, um, that most powerful, you know, song of a suffering savior, Jesus on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, and the, the millennial kingdom was all power packed in to that single little chapter. And you think, man, what do we do now? Well, that's where chapter four, 54 picks up, where what do we do? We know we're headed for heaven because Jesus died on the cross. We know we get to be with him for all eternity. But what about now? What about when you have ash going down your throat when you're trying to breathe? What about now when you've got people lighting fires? Now, I wanna say something about this because uh, I said a little thing on it, uh, just a little video I did yesterday on, on social media, just, but um, it's interesting, you know, one of the problems that we're having is all the misinformation that's out there. And people are, you know, on social media, media saying things that are true and not true and false. And, and you know, everybody's saying this and that. But one of the things that um, I mentioned is these people that are going around starting fires. Now, I didn't say if it was Antifa or Black Lives Matter. I'm not making it. Who knows who these people are? I don't know. But here's what I do know. We have people in our church. I could tell you four of the most trustworthy people in our congregation who actually have caught people with stuff to light fires. And they've actually seen people lighting fires. That, it is happening. Whether the police want us to know that or not, I don't know. Or uh, for sure, they're trying to put that down. There were people arrested, by the way, even though we, they won't, they won't say, we don't have Antifa members in our jails. They, they'll say that. But there have been several people in California, one person here in Oregon for sure, who was arrested uh, for, for trying to light fires. Plus, I know people in our church who have seen it with their own eyes, firsthand experience. So whoever they are, I don't know who they are, but there's still people out there doing it. Well, but that's not very encouraging. <laughs> a lot of the, uh, I got a couple of responses from people that are a little bit um, 
missing the point, uh, but uh, I'm not trying to always encourage. Do you know that? It's not all about you, and it's not all about you being encouraged. One of the things that will really help you through these crises, if you get this one, it's about you helping others, caring about others. And I actually care about people in our congregation who are having people light their hay fields on fire and stuff like that. That's a problem. And that's what I was challenging us to do yesterday. Say, hey, let's pray for the people that are going through this, seeing people running around lighting fires. Let's pray for them. And, um, and you know, here's the thing. These kind of challenges, you know, whether it's the people lighting fires or the fires themselves, the smoke, that, you know, um, we have people that have lost buildings and houses in our congregation. Uh, because of this fire. Down in Southern Oregon, we've got a lot of Athey Creekers who, uh, you know, tune in with us weekly uh, online and they've lost their homes as well. Down in Talent, Phoenix, Medford. Um, man, we need to be praying and reaching out to help people. Um, <clears throat> but one of the best ways, by the way, is not to make it about yourself and all about only your encouragement. Um, <clears throat> one of the best things you can do, I can do is to encourage others. And we're to build each other up edify one another. That's what we're called to do. Um, so really, these are, interestingly, troubled times. And, and even if it wasn't the fire and the smoke, we've got the election coming and all the you know, crazy information out there and the dis discord in our nation and racism and all this stuff that's just boiling. It's come to a boiling point in our, in our nation. And so a lot of times we think, man, what do we do? And, and I know there are a lot of people in despair right now. A lot of people are discouraged. But I love that the Lord gives us here in Isaiah chapter 54 some very simple words of encouragement. And I hope these are encouraging to you. Let's take a look at this little passage. We're gonna pick it up right where we left off on Wednesday, verse one of chapter 54. And it says there, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither shalt thou be confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, <clears throat> for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. What a great and encouraging word for the desolate, for the widowed, or, or the, um, I should say, the barren. Um, sing, O barren, that's Israel. Why is Israel barren? See, spiritually they were barren. It's not just you know, they weren't able to have babies, <clears throat> but that's the imagery that the Lord is saying. Israel, you've become barren. You've become not productive or fruitful. And the Lord says, you know, you, you, know you're, you need to sing, sing out loud, sing unto the Lord. Um, and he's gonna bless you and you will have children is what he's saying. Now he does say this, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. We'll see on Wednesday night as we go through this whole chapter, <clears throat> that Israel, the Jews, they're called the wife of God all throughout the Bible. Um, they're the wife of God or the wife of, <clears throat> excuse me, Jehovah. And so <clears throat> one of the things that we need to realize is the church is called the bride of Christ. There is a difference there. 
And that's what's talking about here. The, the, the wife of God has been barren. Why? Because the blindness of their hearts and their sinful, evil ways. But the problem is that, that um, the Jews still to this day are largely blinded. Out of all the Jews on the planet, they say that only maybe 1% uh, are messianic or believe in Jesus, the Messiah. Um, less than 1% of Jews believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And so they have been barren because of their rebellion. Now, the Lord's saying here, he's not gonna forsake the Jews, but he's gonna bless the desolate with many children. And, and that, that could just be us, the Gentiles. The Lord wants to bless you and me, and he has. The church of Jesus Christ has been so blessed. We've been delirious with blessing for all these decades. And it is interesting right now when we go through these difficult days, how we start realizing how blessed we have had it. How many sunny, nice days have we enjoyed and breathed fresh air um, and had food on the table and nothing to worry about? Um, it's weekends like this where we kind of think, man, we, we long for those good old days when there wasn't a care in the world, or at least we thought there were cares, but they really weren't. Um, you know, the barren is desolate in this story, but the Lord says, but you sing. That's what you're supposed to do, sing. And enlarge the place of your tent and stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Strengthen thy strength, lengthen thy cord. The Lord will break forth on the right and the left. This is the Lord saying, here's what you do when you're in trouble. Let me just list out four or five of these things that I think are super important for us to see here in Isaiah 54. Um, if you're jotting down notes, number one, what do we do when we're in trouble? Sing. Why would a barren woman sing? The answer is anticipation, not manipulation, but expectation, knowing that the Lord is good. Why would a person sing praise to the Lord before they actually knew the good thing that was gonna happen? It has to do with expectation. Now, if it's manipulation, if you're like, I'm gonna sing, Lord, so you better make me not barren anymore, that's not the right heart. But singing unto the Lord a praise song of glory just because of who he is, that's where it's at, sing. Um, this is something, by the way, that we see all throughout the scriptures, the idea of singing, rejoicing when you're barren or when you're going through these dark, smoky days, when you see the pale yellow that's outside, even right now, uh, and you see the smoke and all the trouble. Why would you sing, Brett? It's smoky. I don't want dust in my throat. Um, well, I'll tell you, I think that it's time to still sing I saw on the Drudge Report last week, singing is the worst thing you can do during the coronavirus, studies say from somewhere in Sweden. And, uh, and you know, the Bible says, sing and make a joyful noise to the Lord. So what are you gonna do? Um, you know, this idea of singing in the midst of trouble is something that, uh, like I said, it's all throughout the Bible. And do you remember Second Chronicles chapter 20, where the Amorites had surrounded Judah, the men of Judah, the Jews? And, so Jehoshaphat, remember that guy, he was king of Judah. He, he sought the Lord, Lord, what do we do? We're surrounded by these Ammonites and their compadres, their, their allies, we're in trouble, we're outnumbered, we're outspeared and outsorted, outcharioted. What are we gonna do? And they were in real trouble, like some of you might feel today, wondering if your house is still standing. And the Lord says, okay, Jehoshaphat, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get all the singers and all the choir and I want you to send them out to the Valley of Baca. And I want you to have them lead the army. The army will follow after, but the, 
the praise team, the, the, the choir, they're gonna lead the way into that place in the Valley of, Valley of Baraka. So there was the enemy, you know, strategizing and getting ready to trounce and, and kill the Jews. But all of a sudden they hear this praise music. And if you read there in 2 Chronicles 20, as the worship ascends and the singers are singing praise be to the Lord, they're singing praise to the Lord. That's what they're over and over praising the Lord. Well, the men of the Amorites and the other allies, they started to say, what's that? What's, what's going on? And they started to sort of argue amongst themselves. What are we gonna do? Here they come. And they were so confused and confounded by the music that the Amorites and the enemies of Israel started to turn their swords one upon the other. And by the time the Jews made it to the encampment of the enemy armies, there were just dead bodies laying everywhere. The Bible tells us there in 2 Chronicles 20 that the Jews were only able to just pick up spoil. There was so much spoil that they couldn't even, after three days of hauling it back and forth to Judah, they couldn't get it all. It was just so much spoil. And yet all they did is they proceeded the whole battle with praise and worship. There's a link to winning battles and going through difficult times when praise ascends. And if you're saying, well, Brett, I don't wanna open my mouth and get smoke in my lungs. Great, put on some praise music. Um, you know, find some good worship music. Not, not just, you know, <clears throat> some of this Christian music today is not praise music. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to tell some of the Christian songs today whether they're singing about their girlfriend or if they're singing about the Lord Jesus. I don't know sometimes. Find the stuff that's just very overtly worshiping Jesus Christ, praising his name, calling out his name, uh, and, and make that part of your day. How thankful I am that my mother and father had music of praise going in our house all the time. When I got home from school, praise music was on. We had the hi-fi upstairs in the family room, the vinyl record player that had to heat up, you know, before it would get to start working. You could warm yourself by this, this old hi-fi. But there, there was Maranoth, the Praise One uh, record spinning. My mom had those, those praise records going. <clears throat> I remember a, a record called Sing and Celebrate. It was just a bunch of praise songs singing to the Lord. And, just, and we'd stack those records and they'd drop and play, drop and play, just all day long, praise music. And my sisters and I, we became musicians just because our house was so filled up with music that it, I don't think we had any other choice but it was always praise music and it was always uplifting, even though it wasn't necessarily our favorite style of music or genre as kids growing up, there was something about specifically worship music. There was real strengthening and an emboldening and a building that took place with the song. Do you remember there in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were beaten that night, whipped, and then they were put in chains and they dragged them into a deep dungeon cell in the jail of Philippi. I've actually seen this jail where Paul and Silas were imprisoned. And um, they, as they were bleeding there, they could have just sat there moping or complaining and griping and grumbling, tweeting or you know, social media it up, <laughs> but they didn't do that. What they chose to do is they sang praises at midnight, at the darkest hour of the night. There they were bleeding in stocks and bonds and there they were in that dungeon and they just started singing praise. Again, not for manipulation. Lord, we're singing, we've been beaten, we're singing, so you're gonna help us, right? Not manipulation, but expectation. 
They knew that all things work together. Paul knew this, that all things would work together for good for those who are called, those who love God, called according to his purpose. They knew that it was gonna work out, so why wouldn't we praise the Lord before the answer comes? I think Paul and Silas would have praised the Lord even if the Lord never showed up that night. They would have said, he's still good. But these guys, it was a mentality. So they said, let's just worship the Lord. Can you imagine the other people in jail? Would you stop singing? We're trying to go to sleep. But there they were at midnight, praising and worshiping. Well, if you recall the story, as they sang and praised the Lord, the earth quaked and the jail cell was opened wide. All the doors were shaken, uh, shaken and they swing open and the prisoners all walking out. And we're gonna, we're free. We can, we can walk out of here. Their chains fell off their arms. So they started to walk when suddenly the Philippian jailer came running out with a sword and he was gonna kill himself because a, a jailer in those days, if he lost all his prisoners, they would have been brutal to him. They would have tortured him to death. So he was ready to kill himself because he thought, well, they're all running free. Okay, here goes. And Paul and the boys, they stopped him and said, don't do thyself no harm, we're all still here. And they went to the man's house and got some food and the man and his whole family were saved and baptized. And that was the beginning of the Philippian church right there, that Philippian jailer. What a powerful, powerful story. Oftentimes it's through praise and singing that victory comes. That's something we see throughout the Bible. Um, man, and, and the rejoicing, I, I think of, you know, over and over again, like even in Matthew chapter two, um, you know, the, remember the, the wise men or you know, the three kings? Um, I, I kind of laugh a little bit at that because, um, you know, remember, remember when Herod wanted to see the new baby born? Uh, and, and so Herod talked to the wise men. Let me read you this. This is kind of interesting part of that story. When Herod had heard privately, he privately called the wise men and inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently the young child. When you found him, bring me again that I also may come to worship him. But when they heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now this is Christmas language to you and me rejoicing with exceeding great joy. But it's in the Greek language, there's no stronger way to say it, that they were rejoicing their brains out. Like, like the, the, we don't get it. We sing the Christmas song, we three kings of Orient are, this dirge march, you know, to see the babe. That's not what was going on. It was more, I mean, there's a big party going on here. It says when they saw the star, before they even saw the Christ, these kings, and they weren't three. We don't know how many were they, they were. Could have been hundreds. It could have been 300 of them. But they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Just at the seeing, we found the star, we found the place, and we're about to see the Messiah. Like this is a group of Gentiles who are rejoicing with exceeding great joy. That should be you and me. Even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the, you know, the slaughter here in Matthew chapter two, in the midst of trouble in the world, you and I as Christians, one of the first things we should be doing when dealing with troubled days is sing and praise and give glory to God before the answer comes. Anybody can praise God after the blessing has come. I remember, you know, remember the children of Israel on the one side of the Red Sea, they said, you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. 
And, you know, who made you leader over us, Moses and Aaron? And then, you know, the water opens up, they go down and cross through the Red Sea and the, you know, Pharaoh's armies drowned in the whole Red Sea and it closes back. And then what happens? At the other side, Miriam busts out her tambourine and people start singing and Moses sings a song of praise. Good for them, that's great. But wouldn't it have been better had they sang the praise on the previous side before they even saw the hope or the help? You see, that's the mature Christian who knows God's gonna get them through the situation they're in. And even if it means death in this life, see, that's one of the problems with the secular mindset that you're seeing today. You'll see it in communism, socialism, Marxism, that death is the worst possible thing because it's all about this life. There is no other life. Religion is the opiate you know, of the masses, Karl Marx would say, um, but that's the person that doesn't believe in God. But as Christians, life and death here on this earth, it's not the whole thing. It's not the biggest thing we worry about or care about, but it's actually, this is just boot camp. We don't get too excited about this life. We look forward to the next. And these tough days that we're in right now for many Christians only remind us that the day is drawing nearer when we get to be forever with our Lord. Man, it's the greatest thing that's ever gonna happen to us, you see. So we sing songs of praise while the world is telling us to be quiet. We sing songs because we know what the Lord is going to do. We know what our future looks like. Singing, rejoice, even when you're barren. That's what these guys are told to do by Isaiah, through the Lord through Isaiah. So number one thing we see here is sing. Number two, we see in this little passage, stretch. Stretch, Brett, are we talking yoga? No, not into that. I. <laughs> Um, especially the Eastern mysticism part of yoga, but I'm definitely not very good at stretching. I'm one of the more inflexible people uh, on the planet. So uh, flexibility is hard for me to even talk about, but the Lord does allow you and me to be stretched at times. Are you stretched right now? Some of you are living in your car as you're listening to this, thinking, man, when do I get to go home if my home is even there right now? Um, you know, um, one in 10 people in Oregon right now are out of their house, homeless, because of the fires that are going on right now. So that's a high percentage of people that are just kind of wondering what's going on? What's gonna to happen to them? What's next for them? Well, this is where the Lord allows you to be stretched. Now there's a good news, a bit of news for you because Paul the apostle would remind us that the Lord will not tempt us above that which you are able. And um, it'll be, it doesn't mean it's not gonna be easy, but, um, or, or it's not gonna be, uh, you know, difficult days, but you can trust that the Lord's gonna get you through these times. And, and realize that there's a stretching that goes along with that. And sometimes the Lord allows times of stretching. And, and we see that where it says, enlarge, verse two, the place of thy tent, let them stretch forth the curtains of thine inhabitation. During difficult days, the Lord will stretch you to grow you, to make you more mature, to perfect the work that he's doing in you. And while you are sitting in this troublesome time and seeing these ugly yellowish hues of smoke-filled air, and as you're dealing with the breathing and all this stuff, man, this is stretching some of us and it's stretching you. But what you could do is say, Lord, what is it that you wanna teach me? Show me how to be stronger. Teach me to have the right heart and attitude. Um, stretch me, Lord, even as it says, the Lord will stretch the, your borders. 
But the borders, the bigger borders means your possessions. He wants to stretch you to make you bigger and better than you once were. Use you more mightily, empower you to be more effective at what you're doing. The Lord can use these times, let these stretching times come. You know, um, you can never stay, by the way, I think, in the same uh, place spiritually. You're either, you know, retreating in your spirituality or you're advancing. There's no such thing as neutral. But it's times like this that we're going through where stretching will actually um, make you better, a stronger person. Um, It's been said, you must become expandable or you'll become expendable. You know, we have to expand and grow and continue to learn and grow and and stretch ourselves in things that we're not um, really wanting to do or caring about doing. Um, You know, it's interesting because growing up with two sisters, um, uh, it was kind of an interesting household environment. But I'm really thankful that I had a next door neighbor guy, uh, four years older than I was, and I was always trying to keep up with him, Kirk Daly. but I thought Kirk was the coolest guy in the world. But, but at the same time, just growing up in a household with a couple sisters, they never really stretched me to do things that were a little crazy, you know? But it was Kirk who was always, Brett, that's not, it's only 50 feet, jump, you know? He would say that. Or he would say, uh, you know, hey, why don't you, let's tie your bicycle on the back of my motorcycle. We'll, we'll put a rope and let's go. And man, he'd take off with his Suzuki. Now, one thing that he had is shock absorbers on his little green Suzuki. My bicycle had no shock. So I'm there on the back hitting the same bumps and jumps. Uh, and, and that stretched me. I usually end up crashing somehow. Uh, but we, we, we made it through that somehow. It's funny because uh, by the time Kirk was done with me as we were growing up as kids, I was the guy stretching other people to do crazy stuff. And it was, it was, it was those times of stretching and doing things you're uncomfortable with that makes you grow and it makes life much more adventurous. And it's a good way to go. I, I feel bad for so many of these kids that are growing up with panicky parents, you know, making their children stay away from this and don't touch that, it might hurt yourself and wear the helmet and always wear the you know, protective gear and you can't do this unless you, and, and we've just become so insane that our, our, our kids don't, aren't stretched to become great people, but they're padded. And unless they have their padding, they don't know what to do with themselves. Um, sometimes these times like this of COVID and smoke and fires and uh, hurricanes and, and campaign elections and stuff, these things are meant to stretch us. But when you allow the Lord to do the stretching, it will stretch you in a good way. Um, sometimes you say, Brett, I don't want to stretch anymore. I feel overly stretched. Reminds me of Matthew chapter 12, right there in verse 13, when Jesus spoke to the man with the withered up hand and said, stretch forth your hand. And there in that Capernaum synagogue, the man did what he couldn't do. It it was beyond a stretch for him to stretch forth his hand. But remember, when God commands us to do something, it's also his enablement to help us do those things. God's commandments are his enablements. So he says, stretch forth your hand. And the man stretched forth his hand and his hand became whole. Man, that can happen to you right now. Some of you are being stretched beyond what you thought you'd be able to bear, and yet you find yourself being used right now. Some of you firefighters and first responders are out there doing stuff you never even imagined yourself being able to do or endure. Some of you volunteers, even from our church, are helping hand out meals by the hundreds, and you didn't even realize how effective ministry could be as you've been stretched to help people out. 
Um, these are times of stretching and the Lord uses those times to grow his people. So don't be afraid of stretching. It's a, a part of the deal. So first of all, singing, number two, stretching, number four, strengthening. It says in large verse two, uh, the, the place of your tent, stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations, spare not thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. If you're stretching, you better be strengthening. Uh, because if you're pulling those, stretching out those distances, those tent stakes are gonna need to be in there real strong. That's the problem. I see Christians take on big projects wanting to be stretched, but they haven't done the work to be strengthened. So their, straight, their stakes will pull right out at the first sign of tension and trouble. You need to be a person who strengthens your stakes. Strengthening, you know, I may not be, I told you I'm not very flexible, but I am a stronger individual. And I remember um, one of the guys at our church, George, he challenged Tad and I to you know, build up our bench pressing uh, techniques and stuff. And I, always, I thought I was a pretty good bench presser, but George says, I can add a hundred pounds to your bench if you just do it right. Uh, I thought, well, no, that's not true, but I'll try anyway. And within six months, both Tad and I had added a hundred pounds to our bench. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, just got over the 500 pound mark on my bench on that year. And you know what was interesting about that was there was a lot of work that took place. You have to work to become strengthened. You've got to have many reps and you've got to put in the work. And unless you put in the work, there's no real strengthening. There needs to be a tearing down and a building back up. And one of the things that I think Christians, were, like we were talking about our children, we don't strengthen ourselves, we only pat ourselves. We only like to be comfortable. We don't wanna push ourselves during difficult times. We wanna just find the safest, most comfortable place we can find. But here we're told to stretch ourselves and to strengthen ourselves. And now we're talking spiritually, not just physically, but, but more in a spiritual way. Man, you gotta put in the reps. If you stretch yourselves, I, let me give you an example. I see people, I wanna be on the mission field and they're gonna stretch themselves and move to Africa or some other crazy place in the world. But if they're not strengthened, if they don't have the, the reps put in in scripture and in prayer and in power and the Holy Spirit being sent by the church and having all that stuff put in place, their stakes are gonna pull out and they're not gonna be effective as missionaries. You gotta strengthen and stretch at the same time. Without one, the other fails. And so the strengthening comes through prayer and, and study of the word, doing what you're doing right now as we're going through the scriptures together as a church. This is all part of a strengthening, building up process. Man, he wants us to stretch our, our you know, tent stakes, but he also wants to strengthen our tent, tent stakes. You know, remember this is where Joshua in chapter one of Joshua was reminded four times in that single chapter, just don't forget Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. You gotta be strong if you're gonna be stretched and strengthening requires reps. You gotta do your homework and your heart work in the word and in prayer and seeking the Lord so that you're strong when you're stretched. Because the Lord wants to enlarge your tent. He's gonna grow it to the right and to the left and he's gonna use the coronavirus and the fires and the economy and whatever else is hitting you, guess what? He's gonna use that to grow you, stretch you, and strengthen you as long as you're seeking the Lord. So you got first, first three, I guess, sing, stretch, strengthen. Let's just do one more. And that's not even in this chapter, but I'm gonna add it because it's in the next chapter, seek. So you got sing, stretch, strengthen, and seek. 
check out chapter 55. Now, chapter 55, I'm gonna give you a heads up. Wednesday night, you're gonna find a bunch of scriptures that you're familiar with. Uh, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna mention a couple of them. Let's see if you're familiar. If you, you can even say this out loud with your family members or whoever you're watching this with. Familiar, unfamiliar, okay? What about this? Um, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways. Familiar, yeah, you're familiar with that. A lot of people quote that scripture. How about this one? So shall my word be that goeth out of my mouth that shall not return void. Familiar, unfamiliar? Yes. Um, um, man, I could go on and on. You know, like there's, there's others here, you know, uh, that you know and well. For the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing and all the trees in the field will clap their hands. Familiar, unfamiliar. There's, you're gonna see some of the most quoted scriptures come from Isaiah 55. But I wanna show you just one that adds to the strengthening and the singing and the stretching. Um, and that is seeking. Look at verse six of chapter 55. Chapter 55, verse six says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. <laughs> the Lord's thoughts are higher and wiser, better than our ways. So what do we do? Well, it says, seek the Lord, seek him. When you seek him, the Lord says, seek the Lord and he will you know, he'll open up a door, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Like the Lord says, seek me while I may be found. And then why do we seek him? Because man, first of all, we seek him for mercy. Thank the Lord for his mercy. And did you see what he called his mercy there? He said, um, for he will uh, show his mercy, he'll have mercy and our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Oh, I love that phrase, abundant pardon. The idea is there, if you look in your margin, it means multiply, multiply, multiply pardon. <clears throat> in other words, he forgives your sins over and over and over again. His mercies endure forever. That's the idea there. But here, the idea, <coughs> seek the Lord while he may be found. The idea is you need to seek the Lord. Why? Because his ways are different than your ways. His thoughts are wiser than your thoughts and uh, higher than your thoughts. So they're too high for us just to get. So what do we do? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Man, the Bible says, you know, John there in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's what you need to do during these difficult days. Instead of just freaking out and packing up your photos and driving out the driveway with your evac stuff, don't forget to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Seek him. These are the things that strong Christian people do during difficult days. They sing before the problem is even answered. They just sing praise to God because we know he's a good God and he's gonna get us through this difficult time. There's something about singing right now before we see the smoke clear. Um, there's something that's so faithful about that. God's faithfulness is seen that we know that, it, that we're gonna be faithful to know that he's gonna get us through this. 
It's all about God's faithfulness. And so we're gonna sing about his faithfulness. We're gonna worship him. And that's what we're gonna do this weekend on, you know, Sunday night worship is a time that's really set aside just for that so that we can just sing into the Lord and give glory to his name. I'd invite you to, to join us this weekend for that. And also do it in your own car. Put praise music in as you're driving around in the smoke or as you're you know, looking for uh, something to do while you're waiting to get back to your house. Praise the Lord, sing. And you'll see bars, you know, the gates of the, of the uh, prison swing wide open like Paul and Silas. You'll see the enemy fall like the children of Judah before the Ammonites like we talked about. Man, sing before the Lord, sing. And then also stretch, stretch yourself. Go beyond what you think you're able because during these difficult times, the Lord would say, broaden your tent stakes, stretch your borders, stretch out the curtain, make it bigger what the Lord might be able to do in and through you. Stretch yourself. But before you do that, you also need to make sure that you're strengthened. That's what we talked about here. Put in the reps of prayer and seeking the Lord and study of scripture that you'll be equipped during these times of trouble. So you got, uh, you know, sing, stretch, strengthen, and then finally seek the Lord while he may be found. As you go through these difficult days, you can either become bitter about it or you can become better. That's the bottom line. Are you bitter or better? How are you feeling right now? Are you bitter that there's people lighting fires or, or are you bitter about the election? Are you bitter about the misinformation? Are you getting more and more bitter about Portland and what's happening to our city? Um, I see a lot of people getting bitter and they're not getting better. It's not helping anything. But if you're a Christian looking to the Lord, you know that this is a time where the Lord's gonna use you. And there's, this is a time to come out and worship and praise the Lord and sing to his holy name. This is a time to rejoice that we don't have to live on this earth for the, all of eternity, but we have heaven to look forward to. Man, you're either becoming bitter or you're becoming better as a Christian during these difficult times. And maybe you could ask yourself, how am I doing with that? But I think the Lord wants to come alongside all of you and say, just watch this. It's almost like the Lord wants to show his mighty arm of salvation. And it just is seeing the greatest during difficult days. And I know some of you are already feeling that. I've already heard how the Lord has just shown up in your lives. Even some of you that have gone through the worst, um, who's even lost their homes. I've, I've seen some entries in social media of people that are just um, amazing to me. They realize that our material possessions really are not the end all or the most important thing. Um, and they realize that they have and we have the hope of heaven. My prayer is that you become better and not bitter. And then finally, lastly, one thing I'd like to say uh, as I close is, man, without Christ, if you're not saved, none of what I told you is gonna apply to you. You're on your own. You're on your own and it's all about this life. That's why that article I read last week, or just yesterday actually, uh, about the guy who said everybody's worn out spiritually. The sad thing is people think they're spiritual beings or they have spirituality, but unless you've accepted Christ, you've got nothing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything else apart from Jesus Christ is just religious mumbo jumbo that's gonna be found empty during difficult days. There's gonna be no hope and no help. Buddha will not be there. Confucius will not be there. Confucius, you will not have Muhammad helping you during these times. You won't have you know, um, religious uh, gurus or leaders. It's Christ alone who will save you. 
It's Christ alone who will stretch you and strengthen you and be a blessing to you. It's Christ alone that will get you to heaven and where you have eternal life. That's why you gotta accept Christ. The way you become a Christian is you repent. That means you repent from your sins and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've made sins that have um, gone against you, contrary to you, contrary to your word. And I realize I'm a sinner and I repent of those sins. That means 180 degrees. Doesn't mean you're perfect or ever will be perfect until you see the Lord but you acknowledge that you're imperfect in sin and that you've sinned against the Lord. Then you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins in your place. Jesus substitutionarily died for you. And then that he rose up from the grave because that proved his claim of Messiah, that he wasn't just some Muhammad or Buddha who made claims but had nothing to back them up. Jesus did exactly what he said. If you destroy this body, this is the sign I will show you that I'm the true Messiah is I, I will die, be buried, but I will raise up from the grave. And Jesus did that. The most provable historical event that ever happened in the world. That's why the world was turned upside down when Christ died, was buried and rose from the grave. And you can have college professors denying it. You can have people saying that it's not true, just like so much of the misinformation that's out there today. But there's a reason why Christianity is stuck and there's a reason why his word is still being read on um, churches and people all over this globe this weekend. It's because it's true and powerful. Don't miss this opportunity. Maybe this is your chance to realize, wow, this is out of my control. Maybe the helplessness you feel from this weekend's smoky, fiery days that we're living in, if this is here and you're like, man, I have no control of my life right now. Um, guess what? The Lord wants to take control. And when he takes control, it's all good from there. And you'll be headed for heaven. Even if you die today, you'll be in good hands because you'll be with the Lord. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for the Christian. And that's why the Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, because that's the best day of our life when we die and go home to be with the Lord. Man, I hope you have that, that hope for heaven. I hope you've accepted Christ. And if you haven't, do it right now. You can accept Jesus by saying this, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave and I thank you for saving me. Brad, is that all I need to do? If you believe it with your heart, confess it with your mouth. Jesus did all the work for you. He's the one who died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, including you. The question is, are you willing to accept it? Hey, listen, if you wanna do that, if you've done that, would you let us know? Maybe uh, there's a little text number we'll put on the bottom of the screen. And if you can text us and say, new believer, then we'll know that there's some, somebody out there that we can pray for that's just accepted Christ this day. And if there's anything we can do to help you um, on any level, uh, let us know. As a church family, we wanna be the church that is there for you. Even though we can't have people as much around with all the things that are going on, man, we can reach out. If you need help, give us a call at our church. Look us up uh, online. It's easy to get a hold of us. So let us know how we can help you out. And until uh, later, may the church flourish during times of trouble. May we be like the church at Smyrna there in the book of Revelation that all the churches, you know, except for Smyrna and uh, Philadelphia, they were the ones without any correction because they were doing it right. Smyrna was a church that was going through all kinds of difficulty, but the Lord recognized they were strengthened and blessed through their trials.
The Lord uses these various trials to build within us those attributes and those characteristics that he wants for his church. So like Paul, we say our light affliction is but for a moment, but it works a far greater um, weight, eternal weight in glory. The Lord's making you a weightier person spiritually during these dark days. Rejoice, sing a song, stretch yourself, strengthen yourself and seek the Lord in Jesus' name. Let's pray. And so Father, as we conclude this time in Isaiah, Lord, we pray that you just cause our hearts and our minds to just grab on to the truths that you want us to glean. Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers only of the word, but the Lord, we'd be doers of your word. Lord, help us to, to be faithful, even through the difficult days. I pray for those that have been displaced from their homes. Warm their hearts today, Lord, I pray. Encourage those that are going through those most difficult times. And, and I pray, Father, for people all over this country and down in Louisiana because of the hurricanes and the death that was down there from that hurricane, for um, people that are going through just really difficult times all over the world, may they turn to you. May they see you and accept you and walk with you, Lord. You're our ever-present help in times of need. We put our trust in you. So bless your people on this weekend. Lord, I pray that you just cause us to rejoice at your goodness, even in the midst of trouble. We pray this knowing you've heard our prayer and we bless you in Jesus' name, amen.